You're listening to the Super Talk podcast, produced by the Australian Institute of Superannuation Trustees, shaping profit to member super. Hello and welcome to Super Talk. My name is Gary West and I'm the Senior Manager, Media and Communications with AIST. Today we'll be looking at sustainable investing. Joining me is Martin Todd, Portfolio Manager, Sustainable Global Equity, Impact Opportunities at Investment Manager, Federated Hermes. Among the topics you'll be hearing about today are the outlook for sustainable investment funds, how they can adapt to an inflationary environment, greenwashing, divestment versus engagement, and much more. Martin, thanks for joining me today. Let's begin with the definition. What does sustainable investing mean? Great to join you today, Gary. Um, sustainable investing is a broad term and is used to denote uh, an investing approach where sustainability is a central part of the investment process. For us, it's investing in companies that maximize the long-term returns to all stakeholders. Um, rather than focusing purely on shareholders, it's considering the environmental aspects, so uh, the communities that these companies operate in, is considering some of the social impacts of the suppliers, the employees, and the customers of these businesses. As I say, it's a broad term though, and I think when many people think of sustainable investing, they think of ESG investing, and certainly consideration of environmental, social, and governance factors is uh, an important element of it. Um, however, it's a, a broad church and it covers areas like impact investing. Um, you may have heard of SRI funds, uh, ethical, responsible investment funds, um, and these can range from relatively simple exclusion-based approaches through to quite sophisticated impact strategies. Given the rotation in markets, can sustainable investing funds still generate decent long-term returns and why? There's been a, a lot of talk about rotation in equity markets, and it's perhaps just worth quickly expanding on, on what that means. Um, really, it refers to the shift that we've seen in the, the market leadership in 2022. And this is really a consequence of higher inflation and rising central bank rates. This is reversing a trend that has been in place for over a decade, perhaps since the financial crisis, when um, and it, it's meant very low cost of capital for companies. Um, and it's really benefited areas like the technology and internet sectors that have very strong growth and perhaps relatively low profit margins. Um, the reason that this rotation, I think, is re relevant to sustainable investment funds is that, that on the whole, uh, sustainable funds tend to be more exposed to these higher growth companies and these sectors of the market that have performed well, but are now lagging the index in 2022. To compound this problem, what we've also seen is that the energy sector is by some distance the best performing sector in the market in 2022. And for, again, for many funds in the sustainable investment space, they're very underweight in energy. Um, to a lesser extent, some of the mining companies that performed well in 2022, again, are, are not held um, in, in great size by sustainable funds. So in aggregate, um, this cohort of funds is lagged the, the investment index uh, this year after a number of years of what being quite strong returns. I think what 
we can observe is this is a very, very short period of time uh, on a relative basis. And um, the outlook for sustainable investment funds hasn't really changed. Um, we've seen this rotation happen over the course of this year, but nothing has fundamentally changed the longer term attraction uh, of sustainable investing. Um, and in fact, many high growth companies are a lot cheaper today than they were. And the long term profit pool has in many cases increased rather than decreased. And just to take one example, uh, the energy sector, as I say, is, has been very strong performer this year. High energy price is obviously a key driver of profitability. But at the same time, those same high energy prices will start to reduce demand and it will increase the incentive for alternative energy sources and investment in renewables and in other uh, energy capacity. They say that the cure for high prices is high prices. And I think that is providing the incentive for alternative providers. Uh, and that's the opportunity for sustainable investors over the long term. If in inflation persists, what does this mean for sustainable equity funds and, and can they diversify? Yeah, it's, 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 I think, linked to um, your question around rotation. And it's, um, there's been a very lively debate about inflation and, and where it goes from here. I think some of the drivers of that higher rate of inflation, to some extent, has been how tight labor markets have been globally um, and some of the trends towards deglobalization and some of the onshoring of supply chains has certainly provided that inflationary pressure. Um, for, um, for sustainable funds, I think the, the ability to diversify and cope with that higher inflationary backdrop very much depends on the type of strategy that the, the individual manager is running. Um, for perhaps for say, ESG leader funds, where the process is driven by ESG ratings, that can tend to lead to a relatively narrow sector allocation with overexposure to large cap companies um, that may enjoy slower growth and particularly European uh, based. Um, alternatively, if we're talking about an impact fund, there's often more of a growth uh, and mid cap bias. And so these style factors and exposures are, are going to be a determinant of the ability of that fund to navigate a higher inflationary environment. Uh, it's probably also worth noting that um, if inflation does persist, it, do we see stagflation, in which case overall economic growth is relatively low? Um, higher growth companies may look more attractive in that environment. As I say, the multiples, the, the price that you pay as an investor for these companies has come down considerably. Uh, and lastly, I would highlight um, high quality companies, those that um, are durable through different cycles that can maintain high levels of profit margin and have strong balance sheets and therefore aren't exposed to the higher cost of capital that we're seeing on the back of this high inflation. So I think to summarize, I think it's really important for investors to understand the overall style and factor exposures that come with sustainable investment funds. There's been a lot of discussion around greenwashing within the uh, ESG space. How's the regulatory landscape shaping up there? 
it, it has been um, it has been somewhat of an issue, and I think it's partly because of the growth of sustainable and ESG investment funds overall. And uh, up until now, there's been relatively no policing of that. There's not been any parameters or rules around what uh, investors may denote as a sustainable investment or an ESG stock. Um, but that is starting to change. So particularly in Europe now, we have what's called Sustainable Financial Disclosure Regulation, SFDR. And this is asking for transparency and disclosure around sustainable investing from uh, managers per strategy. And what this attempts to do is to denote what is a sustainable investment? Um, what is good governance at a company or a security that you're investing in? And how do we ensure that these companies aren't doing any significant harm? What this um, regulation does bring, I, we believe, is you know, greater transparency for investors as to the approach that that manager is taking and how they define sustainability. So that the end investor has a greater understanding of the type of investment they could expect uh, to see in that strategy. Um, and we believe that um, on the back of this regulation, while it's difficult to implement, it will act as a deterrent for perhaps more cynical uh, sort of marketing um, that we've seen in, in recent years with greenwashing. And I think there's a reputational risk here for managers as well. Um, and there has been some high-profile investigations of firms um, who have perhaps overclaimed on their sustainable investment funds or in ESG practices. So I think the oncoming regulation, and it's not just in Europe, as the regulation is, is being considered and um, broader frameworks put in place in other jurisdictions as well, and I think ultimately this is a positive for investors and having that greater transparency in what they're investing in. There's some debate in the industry about whether divestment, that is excluding entire sectors and or activities, or engagement is the better way forward. What's your take on the merits of each approach? Yeah, divestment is a very popular approach. Uh, this is to exclude investments in entire sectors based on their activity. Uh, oil and gas, I think, is by far and away the most popular divestment or exclusion in place for investment funds. Um, there's a, an initiative from a group called Divest Invest. This is a collection of asset owners. And I was reading recently that together um, they have asset owners representing 40 trillion of assets who have pledged to make no new investments in um, the top 200 oil, gas and coal companies. Um, and to sell their existing investments within a five-year time horizon. So the scale of the sort of divestment approach, the exclusion, is, is very large indeed. I think the pushback to divestment as a, uh, an approach is that ultimately you're selling shares in the company to another shareholder who perhaps is less concerned about the environmental aspects of an oil and gas company and how that business is run, um, that you're not actually changing or reducing, helping to reduce the emissions associated with them. An alternative approach is engagement, and engagement is ultimately where investors or shareholders or debt holders continue to have a, a dialogue with the management team of that company. Um, as shareholders as investors in that company, they have a seat at the table and they can hold the management team to account to 
ensure that it is being run most efficient way, um, that they're doing their best to, to minimize carbon emissions or perhaps some of the social frameworks within that company. So at Federated Hermes, we have a team called EOS who are dedicated to engagement on behalf of uh, third-party investors. So they represent well over a trillion of assets worldwide. Uh, and they engage with companies, they set um, targets and milestones for those companies, work with them um, with shared goals and alignment of interests um, to, to drive positive change over the long term for those businesses. Um, and that could result in wholesale changes to the governance structure, for instance. It could be um, step changes in emissions intensity for that business over time. So ultimately, the engagement opportunity is one to drive real impact as a shareholder um, through engagement um, over the long term. Is there a green premium on the stocks that you invest in as funds crowd into a limited number of stocks? And how do you find value there? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting question. And there's um, we, we have had a lot of questions from investors about the extent to which there may be a, a green bubble, uh, a green premium in place. Um, is there a relatively small sort of cohort of companies that uh, sustainable funds are investing in? Um, for us, it, it's not a it's, it's not an issue. Um, I think part of the answer is that, as I've alluded to, there are a range of approaches to sustainable investing, and whereas in years gone by, perhaps there was a, a lot of investment approaches that followed ESG ratings. I think that's less the case now. I think most managers have developed proprietary scoring techniques and they started to look at businesses in different ways, um, therefore reducing perhaps some of the crowding effect into a small group of companies. We could also see it in the performance of companies in the market where um, perhaps one of the most popular areas for investment in sustainable funds has been renewables. And renewables have, have had a really tough time over the last uh, 12 to 18 months. Um, and we're not seeing any signs that there's a, a green premium in place on, on those kind of businesses. You know, for us in our sustainable equity fund, you know, there's a number of different approaches that we take that help to identify value, that help to identify perhaps some of the, the overlooked uh, companies um, in, the, in the investment universe. Um, you know, one is our focus on companies that are higher up in the value chain, some of the suppliers, the suppliers of the picks and shovels, if you like, um, where there's a lot more investor focus on the end product providers. Um, and so we see an opportunity with some of the uh, supply chain, the enablers. We also see opportunity in companies that are improving their ESG scores um, that perhaps aren't recognized for it today. Many of those companies are in emerging markets, which typically um, are overlooked by sustainable investment funds, largely because they don't have the same level of disclosure and perhaps governance standards that uh, in developed markets we come to expect. So that's another opportunity to find value. Given um, future secular trends, do investors in these strategies need a very long-term timeframe? I think patience and a long-term perspective are important for investors in sustainable investing strategies. Um, 
I think it's a, a Warren Buffett quote where he says that the, the stock market is a very efficient mechanism uh, for transferring wealth from the inpatient to the patient. And I think underlying that principle, and as demonstrated across a lot of academic studies, is that you know, over the long term, shareholder returns are, are ultimately determined by growth in earnings and cash flow, uh, while in the short term, it can be driven by sentiment. So there are periods of time where there's a dislocation between the growth of the business, the growth of earnings and cash flow, and the share price. But that, over any reasonable time frame, starts to return to uh, and correlate. I also believe that that long-term investment horizon is particularly synonymous with sustainable investing, and it's integral to the underlying philosophy that managing these businesses for all stakeholders um, over the long term is really the opposite of short-term profit maximization. Um, to minimize some of these material risk factors, uh, and to position businesses to really capture new revenue growth opportunities. It's often during market downturn that we see new businesses formed uh, and innovation really driving new models. And, and this cycle will be no different in that regard. And the attraction of sustainable investing is it really offers that opportunity to get involved in these promising businesses at an early stage um, and to um, engage with those businesses and um, to stick with them requires that patience and, and time to allow them to grow as a business. Um, and for investors and supportive, engaged shareholders, that provides a great opportunity. It requires that patience. It requires a long-term mindset um, so that we can see those businesses driven by the growth in uh, cash flow and earnings as discussed. That's all for this episode of Super Talk. Thanks to Martin Todd of Federated Hermes. For more episodes of Super Talk and for more information on the work of the Australian Institute of Superannuation Trustees, visit our website at aist.asn.au and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast.